cool. Welcome to China Cool. I'm Eva, and I'm Lucy. And today we are going to talk about Chinese reality television.、Ooh. Can you feel it? Can you feel it? Says, can you feel well, we made it to episode two. Amazing. If nothing else, that's kind of an achievement. <laughs> we have two topics that we thought were cool to talk about, and enough willpower to <laughs> do、Yay. more than one episode, barely. But we are here. And we're excited because we're talking about another fun topic today, and that is Chinese reality television. I love reality TV so much. Like, I don't care what language it's in, because ninety-five percent of the time it's just amazing and hilarious. And I don't know. Like, I love scripted TV too, but there's something about reality shows that just really make me feel alive. Eva, what's your exposure or what's your history with Chinese reality TV? Is it the same as mine? I never thought of it as reality TV because I think in America it's there's such a like a trashiness surrounding reality TV. Like you think of all the Bravo shows and E shows. Not that I have anything against them, I watch all of those all the those time. Those are great. What not to wear was、yeah. my life. But like Chinese <laughs> television, it was just. More fun and less drama, I think. So because of that, I never thought of it as reality TV. I never realized until pretty recently, actually, how rampant reality TV is in Chinese media and how dramatic it can、yeah. actually get sometimes. And just how many reality shows are there, and how many different types? Because even variety shows are kind of considered reality shows. How would you describe the difference between a reality show and a variety show? Um, reality show, I guess, is more. It's like people watching in a way. Variety shows, I feel like, gives them a task in some way. But I also do think variety shows are a subgenre of reality shows. <laughs> Somehow, yeah. Because in my head, variety shows are shows that like have a stage, whereas reality show is like it's just in the world. The world is their stage. <laughs> Isn't that poetic?、Yeah. That's beautiful, Eva. <laughs> wow.、Yeah. I, I feel like for the two of us, though, at least our early exposure is probably from our family. Oh, for sure. Like,、yeah. mom and dad watch a lot of Chinese TV, and like when they watch their historical dramas or period shows or spy shows, we're just kind of like peace out. But when they watch the reality shows. I feel like those were easier for us to kind of、yeah. get into with them. They were fun, yeah. And then, like, kind of deviating from that, we would we somehow like found our own shows that we like that they don't,、oh, like Quila Da Ben Ying. I felt bad for liking that show because I knew Dad hated it.、Uh, what is it called in English? Happy Camp. Happy Camp. Yeah. Yeah. I remember Dad called it Shahunal, so、yeah. it's like chaos, ruckus. <laughs> I feel like they judged everything that was on the Hunan network. Yeah, it's because they had all the fun young people shows, where it's just、yeah. variety shows, basically. Oh, Eva, do you remember that one show that we watched in China? Um, where it was like Ultimate Ninja, but just like average people, and then like. 
Like some people would be so good, and other people would just like fall off the very first ball. Oh, I think it was around the Olympics time. It, it was it was like all the athletic themes and whatever going on. Yeah, no, I remember like that was the one show that our uncle like was okay watching because he just liked laughing at people who were bad. Oh yeah, he called all the women stupid and all the men useless. <laughs> so he'd be like, "Oh, just got or oh, just got male." That's how I started saying "got" as a qualifier. <laughs> yeah, I remember they used to have mud water, but oh, yeah. then I think people, no, people protested about it. Yeah, that's gross. Yeah. Okay. Should we get into the different types of reality shows? Oh, yes. There are many. Yes. I can't wait. (laughs) I feel like the most prominent and most popular and most just the most, how do you even say it? Iconic. (laughs) Yeah. I think the most iconic type is the dating show. Yeah. Even people outside of China, China or Chinese American culture are pretty familiar with Chinese dating shows, I feel. Yeah. Did I tell you about how I was going to audition to be on one? Oh, I thought you did. Um, I like did the first step where you upload a like a profile online and they have to be like, okay, you seem okay. And then they invite you to like an in-person interview. And at first, all the in-person interviews were in New York and California. So, like, in my head, I was like, well, this makes sense. And also, I would never fly to interview for the show. So, like, ha ha ha, that was funny. This is where the journey ends. (laughs) But then, they were like, we're gonna host auditions in Chicago. And I was like, oh no. (laughs) Did you do it? No, I I got too scared. No! I was so scared. It's okay. I had a similar experience with America's Next Top Model. Except I didn't do anything (laughs) with that. You did nothing. You didn't even apply. I thought about it. I like, I had my faith on a Chinese dating site. I still get emails to this day. (laughs) about eligible Chinese singles in my area. Oh my. Yeah, it's kind of funny. There was one today that was like, Asian engineer 212. That was like, oh, could have dated him, but guess I'm not gonna. (laughs) 212, is that his height? I don't know. Oh, that's so tall. That's too tall. (laughs) Okay, so Eva, what do you know about just, just like the culture around dating in China. Um, I'm actually not super familiar with it, but I know that it's getting a lot less traditional, quote unquote, in the like in the last couple of years at least. Because before, a lot of it was family based. I don't know if it was at the point that marriages were arranged, but family like even to this day like just because of Asian family values and whatnot, like it's just a huge factor in it. Yeah, and. I don't know. People don't really make that huge of a deal out of marriage and dating in China. At least they didn't used to. Because I know mom and dad were telling me when they were younger, like they didn't have a wedding. They were just kind of like, all right, let's do this. And they just had a house party. And like my friend was telling me that her parents got married after dating for like two months. And her mom was like 22. And they're still married to this day. And I think a lot of it is just less of the... I hate to call it this, but like the American capitalist individualistic dream type <laughs> of approach to dating, yeah. which is a lot of like, oh, does this person make me feel happy? Which is important and good. Yeah, for sure. But there was a lot more of like a 
will I be economically stable if I marry this person? Will they be able to care for my mother who is about to die? And things like that. Yeah, I feel like the decisions, like like you mentioned, it was a lot more family oriented. Um, I think because a lot of families are so multi generational, like the kids will live with their parents, like right, even yeah. after they're married. Um, you literally get married into a family that yeah. they say that here in America, but it's not really true. Like you can avoid your in laws. Like you get married and you move out. Like, even if you were living in your mom's basement as, like, a college grad, after you get married, you move out. But then in China, it's kind of, like, the opposite. Oh, yeah. Like, you get married and you move into someone else's family home. <laughs> but um, another thing is that, like, I read a couple years ago that, like, parents would take resumes of their children into, like, public parks. Oh, I've heard about that. And have, like, these matchmaking meetups where they so like exchange information about their child to find someone for them oh yeah it's like kind of terrible but also hilarious yeah but i think one thing that's interesting about that is how like dating is such a communal activity it's not just like this is my life i date who i want like it's always been very community based like at minimum it's your family but there's also like friends are very involved in it like you can't date someone if you hate their friends and i think maybe that's what makes dating shows so popular because like you want you see a person and you just feel like they need to be with someone that's you approve of for some reason (laughs) oh and the audience participates and they have their input sometimes too yeah it's so funny so the show that has audience participation there's one called baili tiaoyi so one out of a hundred and i was always really confused because there are 16 people to pick from so i was like where's the hundred why is it one out of a hundred why isn't it one of 16 but what i realized was in the first round out of the 100 audience members, like you have to get a approval from the majority of the audience members. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, so that's the 100 that you had to like appease. But also one out of 100 still doesn't make sense, but at least the 100 is there somewhere. So it's like the audience has to deem you worthy of love or something. <laughs> And then you get to move forward. What if the person that you want to be with the audience doesn't like? I, I don't know, man. I guess that's the communal aspect of dating then. Yeah. Oh, that's so bizarre. No, but I remember kind of liking that show because it's one of the only shows where the person who's doing the picking is sometimes the woman. Oh, that's the one where it's always the woman, I thought. Uh, I think it switches. Oh, really? But some of the more popular shows, like the person coming in to like pick their mate is always male. But with one out of a hundred, like sometimes it's a girl. It's like Bachelorette. It's just powerful because you see men being... I don't even know. Little pansies? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, pick me, pick me. <laughs> I live off of that. Yeah. And another show that um, has that kind of communal aspect, but more specifically family, is Chin. So it translates Chinese dating with the parents. <laughs> That's a beautiful translation. And it's exactly what it sounds like. So literally the people will go on their this dating show with their parents and their parents like pick a person for them. Oh, I think I've seen it once or twice. It's really strange. It's interesting because on one hand, like people are going on the show. So obviously there is a market. 
But on the other hand, I think it's gotten a lot of flack because it is so traditional. Yeah. A lot of young people who are more progressive are like, what the heck? No. <laughs> like, I would never. Like, family blessing is one thing, but having them pick is like... That's like resume level. Yeah. But I feel like we're kind of skirting around the big one, the big dating show that everyone <laughs> knows about. <laughs> Which is which translates to if you are the one. I think it's such a funny title though, because I think the direct translation is like, if you're not serious, don't yes, bother. Exactly. <laughs> it's amazing. I guess that makes it less trashy then because people are, they're looking for real, they're looking to settle down. The e-harmony of dating shows. So the main, well, let's just do the the 2010 setup because I think it's, it's better. better. Uh, so the guy comes down from this like elevator shaft. It's like a, it's like an elevator in a spaceship. That's what it w- yeah. looks like it would be. He emerges onto the stage with his elevator speech about himself. And then the women, they can decide based on like first impressions if they would like to continue like considering him as a date. Yeah. And most of them do. Yeah. But if he has like something about him that's like a major red flag or a major deal breaker, each woman has this light in front of them. So if it's blue, it means she's still interested. But then she can turn her light off and it turns red, which signifies that she's no longer interested. There's also an option to like be proactive. And, it's like a super like. Yeah. So you can proactively like this person instead of just like passively accepting his like. <laughs> and what's it called? Baodong. Yeah. So you can baodong um, and super like the dude. So after a series of different video segments and interviews and like direct question answer segments with commentary from the intelligent people slash therapists, at the very end, the man can be left with, I think, two or three at the end. If there are more lights on than that, he has to like walk down and turn lights off manually like by, him, by himself. <laughs> and that's always kind of funny. Um, one thing that I think is really interesting about this show is that it's not just the contestants who are talking to each other. There are like video segments where they interview the person's friends. And then there are also these like professional therapists or something. Are they therapists? I feel like they're just smart people, quote unquote. I don't know. I feel like they're some sort of expert. So they either they're like good at reading body language or they're just smart so they can pick up on like their word choice that might be telling of what they feel about a topic and things like that. I wonder if they're certified in anything or if they're just smart people. Yeah, I don't know what their credentials are, but I love that they exist. They are smart though. I like I learned from them before. Oh, for sure. I feel like the things that they say in response to what some of the contestants say is kind of like things that I've heard in therapy. Mm. So that's why in my head they're therapists. So um, so the show Fashion Rural first aired in 2010. And then in 2017, it rebooted with a new format. Because uh. apparently people, they thought the original show emphasized financial wealth a little too much um this is according to wikipedia so who knows so their new format they kind of wanted to not emphasize that as much but to me the new format 
I feel like makes it a little more shallow. Yeah, it's like Tinder. You literally swipe them to a side, but like in real life. Yeah, so the very beginning, the guy stands in front of like this iPad as women walk down this like runway and he swipes left or right, depending on if he's interested or if he's just going to like keep them on the back burner. I think it's weirder because it's in person too. You're yeah. literally just looking at a woman and saying, oh, she looks like my type. As I was doing like research for this, I watched one clip where there were twins and the guy swi- swiped one of them left and one of them right. What? And they were like, why did you do that? What is the motivation behind that? I don't understand. <laughs> and he was just like, oh, I didn't notice. No. <laughs> <laughs> but they stupid. were identical twins. Do you know if they have like a certain amount of slots on each side that they have yes. to fill? Okay, that makes, half it, and half. that makes it trickier. It is because sometimes they fill, they like reject too many women in the beginning or they fill too many like spots in the beginning and then everyone else they just watch them go into the other side yeah. and sometimes they regret it oh, that's so weird it's really strange like I don't yeah. understand the purpose of that because then they still talk to the people on like the rejected side yeah so I don't really know what purpose that is it's not technically the rejected side I think it's called the observation side oh yeah <laughs> further observation yeah <laughs> I think the most iconic thing about this show, though, is the music. Oh, yes. <laughs> What's your favorite song? Um, the guy intro. Can you feel it? Can you feel it? And then I feel like the girl intros, they keep changing. Yeah. So at one point, it was Bang Bang, the one with... Jesse J and Ari and Nikki. If you test me, I'm sorry. <laughs> and then at one point it was Girls' Generation. Was it G? Yeah. And then they changed it. And then it was Avril Lavigne. Girlfriend? Yeah. Oh, uh, that was a good one. I also think the songs they play at the end, if you don't get a match, are really funny. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they play uh, Fish Leon Kushi Bushi Need. Right? Yeah. Oh, that song is good, though. So sad. <laughs> That, yeah. that makes that show actually, like, really heartbreaking because of But that then song. they've also played some other ones that are, like, not as sad. Yi Chan's Tao Tai, Illuminate. Oh. <laughs> oh, no, wait, wait, no. The one I'm thinking of is um, if the male contestant, like, doesn't have anyone left with their light on, it plays O Fortuna. Oh, it's so funny. But I think it's just really interesting when we think about these Chinese dating shows in conjunction to, like, popular dating shows in the U.S. Um, So I am a fervent member of Bachelor Nation. (laughs) Nation? (laughs) (laughs) Hey, that's the official name. Uh, So I've seen, like, every season of Bachelor, Bachelorette. Bachelor in Paradise, this winter's Bachelor Winter Games. Oh, that one was the only one um, that I watched. Yeah. Like, I feel like it's a cult because no matter how bad I feel like the next season is gonna be, I still watch it. <laughs> I can't, like, I can't stop. But it's just so interesting because, like, especially when you hear news about how, like, 
storylines are scripted or how producers might be like a little manipulative it makes me feel like these chinese dating shows are so pure yeah they're wholesome <laughs> like they're just so wholesome they're just people who want to find love i guess a lot of it is based on like physical appearance and some people are very explicit about like I don't like men in glasses, and that's, like, their deal breaker. <laughs> How dare he not have perfect vision? But yeah, I just feel like being a fan of both Fei Rao and also, like, The Bachelor is just so interesting how different these cultures kind of treat relationships because yeah like people who meet on Chinese dating shows like they don't really know each other that well but there's no expectation that like like they're going to be married like you don't get engaged at the end of the show but at the same time I feel like the success rate is better really I don't really hear much about the successes of the Chinese dating shows. I haven't looked into it, at least. And that's because there are more people who go through. It seems like there are more matches being made. But, but like, they don't expect to be married to them. So I think that it's just kind of like an added perk if you do end up marrying someone. Like, there's no, like, pressure for it to work out. But... Like, the way they kind of go about it, I feel like, arguably, they might know each other from this TV show within like 12 to 20 minutes, just as much as people on The Bachelor know their bachelor it's because on that show the only thing they talk about is a connection they're having and like how great of a time they're having on the show yeah what does that even mean and nothing else like yeah what hobbies do you have i don't know <laughs> we should probably move on yeah what other kind of shows do we got talent shows Ooh. so we got a lot of those here in the states as well And I feel like a lot of the talent shows we're looking at are quite similar. Yeah. Just because, like, a talent show is a talent show. Yeah, there's only so much you can do with that. (laughs) So I would say the talent show that started the craze around talent shows in China was 2004's Chao Ji Nushin. Oh, yeah. Also known as Supergirl. And without that show... Just imagine a world without Jane Zhang, Zhang Liangying, and Chris Lee, Li Yuchun. Like, I remember that season just being like, like, everyone was so emotionally invested. And then some people were so, like, people were so sure that, like, one person deserved it or another person didn't. Oh, yeah. They're, like, conspiracy yeah. theories. It, it was wild. I remember, like, one of the judges on that show didn't like her. Because I always sing songs that weren't in Chinese, and the judge was like, This is a Chinese show, you should sing Chinese songs. But, like, she was like a foreign language major in college or something. So, like, her grasp on language was so impressive. Yeah, I remember, like, hearing her interviews in English, and they're really, really good. And I was surprised when I was younger. So, I was like, Whoa, Chinese people can be good at. English? What? That's one thing that I really like about these Chinese singing shows or just talent shows in general. Like, to kind of go into the next show a little bit, there's a show called Singer, show, where already like famous or established singers battle against each other. And in the most recent season, Jesse J is on it. And one thing that I thought was so interesting was that Jesse J and then also just singing shows in America, everyone sings songs that are in English. But then like people 
in China who go on these singing shows, they sing songs in like so many languages. It's just so interesting to me because it's like, are we as Americans just so content in our knowledge of just one language? Or is it because the best songs, quote unquote, are all already in English? False. That those are the songs that people want to sing. That is false. Well, we talked about that in one of my classes. Oh, yeah. The average Chinese college student, you ask them about American literature, they can list at least like three or four. Like that's like the average, average Chinese student. But then you ask an American student like, oh, like name three Chinese literary classics like no one would be able to and it just shows like people in other cultures like know more in a way yeah even though we're supposed to be like quote-unquote this established like first world country height of knowledge whatever but like our world is so small yeah no so like my favorite moment um I just watched like a few episodes here and there because I wanted to like get an understanding of the shows but there was an episode of Singer where Angela Chang, uh, what's her Chinese name? Zhang Shaohan. Yeah, good job. <laughs> nice. She's Canadian. Yeah, she sang Despacito. And that song is so hard to sing. Did she do it in Espanol? She did. Yeah, no, she did a, it was a mashup of Besame Mucho and Despacito. Wow. And like her Spanish, granted I'm not, Spanish speaking, so I can't actually tell if her accent was good or whatnot, but it didn't sound awkward or anything. And the way the mashup was done, like Despacito was even faster than the original Despacito. And there are so many lyrics in that. I know because I've attempted the song in karaoke before, it was very hard to sing, (laughs) but she sang it so well. That's insane to me that they, when people sing songs that are in a different language that they don't know because it's one thing to be able to sing a song well but you have to learn the language kind of Mm -hmm. and how it works and then make that sound beautiful. Yeah. There's so much to it and it's really incredible when people can actually pull it off really well. Another moment I enjoyed in the episode of Singer that I watched is when Sam Lee, Lee Shenjie I think is his name, he Sang, he sang You and I, the Lady Gaga song. Oh. And he sounded like a cowboy and it was amazing. Good. And there's one line in it where Lady Gaga says, like, my cool natural guy or something. And Sam Lee changed it to my cool Chinese girl. Oh. And I was like, oh, <laughs> that's you. Like, normally I hate it when artists do a cover of a song and they change the pronouns or something like that. Like, I think that's kind of lame yeah but some for some reason when he changed it to cool chinese girl i was like wow <laughs> he globalized the song yeah like you don't have to be from nashville to sing a country song if you could even count it as a country song oh but one thing we have to talk about in terms of the talent type shows is the job shows oh like <laughs> <laughs> Well, they're, the structure of them is actually very similar to a lot of dating shows, uh, specifically Fei Chong Wu Rao or um, If You Are the One. So there's like a panel of CEOs, I think, of they're probably smaller companies, I assume. But I don't think they're small, like tiny companies. I think they're like companies that have like a headquarters and then chains. Mm, so I think one of them they said was like like a bubble tea chain. Yeah, I think they're like that size of companies. So like not Amazon, 
but like Applebee's. Oh, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Just something that would have like a corporate headquarters. Yeah. So they're always hiring people and then people will go on that show. I don't even know if they bring a resume or whatever, but they basically give a presentation and talk about why they should be hired. And then the CEOs or the company representatives have the option to turn the light off. And instead of making a sound, it's more of a laser sound, which is kind of funny. But for this one, yeah, at the end, there's also just two CEOs left. Usually they some usually the people on that show get hired, yeah. I think. Yeah, but the show is basically... I feel like if we were to compare it to an American show, it's like Shark Tank, except you're selling yourself and not like an idea. Yeah. And when I was looking, it looks like there are actually two different shows that are basically the same concept. There's one called Feini Moshu, and then there's a Zhulai Zhuwang. Um, I have no idea how those would translate. Yeah, I don't either. But- <laughs> Yeah, mom really likes watching those shows though, and I personally think it's kind of boring because I don't know. Well, I asked I asked mom why she likes it, and she said that um, she really likes basically like judging the person and like pretending like she's the CEO whether or not she would <laughs> hire the person. And then when the CEO gives his or her decision, the mom can like measure her ability to read and judge a person and like whether or not that's accurate. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> so she just wants to feel powerful. Yeah. Or just that's to know so if funny. like her yeah. intuition about people is what these like pros also think. Oh, she's pretty intuitive though. Yeah. I'm sure she's on point most of the time. <laughs> she's given me a lot of tips for like interviews and job searching that she's gotten from the show and she'll cite her sources. Oh really? I remember multiple times she's told me, you know, you should really pay attention to this or do this when you're looking for jobs because employers really like that because you see on Fini Moshu, like all the company representatives, they always look for this and whenever someone's like that, they're really impressed and I'm like, okay, mom. And I'm sure it's valid. It's, it is valid advice, but it's just funny because she gets it from that show. It's really funny. Yeah. Speaking of mom, we should talk about her favorite types of reality slash variety shows, which are, I guess they're like talk-based shows. Uh, yeah. They're basically talk shows. Yeah. Um, some of them are talk, sh- like what we would think of as talk shows, like Oprah or Ellen but then there's also one that when I was asking mom about shows that she likes, she mentioned uh, Lang Du Zhe. So oh. uh, it translates to the readers. And it's basically like if you're familiar with the New York Times, the Modern Love podcast, <laughs> where famous people read essays that are meaningful to them. It's kind of like that. So except you could also see their face. Yeah, that's a good show. I watched it a couple times with mom. Yeah, so they read like poems or essays or chapters from stories that they connect with and they read it really well and then they tell the story about like why they connected to the story. Yeah, it's like really well done and it's just like a nice wholesome show. Yeah. I think there's another show that mom really likes. I guess that that one is more of like a talk type show because it's not so much interviews. It's called Jinxin Show. Uh, Jinxin is kind of, she's kind of iconic. I mean, she's been like, she's even in like Western journalism. So I feel like, have you made it if you're in the HuffPo? <laughs> That's <laughs> how you know. But uh, for those of you who don't know, Jinxin is, or she's now a talk show host, but she 
is a former ballerina and she is actually a transgender and had a uh, reassignment surgery back in the 90s. First of all, I think it's pretty interesting that she's as big as she is in China because I thought that would be super conservative about the topic of, I don't know, just like being trans and or that that would not be a hindrance, but like be talked about more. But I kind of maybe I just missed all of that, like all the discussion while Jinxing was on her way to becoming big. Like by the time I heard about her, people were just like, yeah, I love her. She's great. And she has a great show. I think one thing that's interesting and kind of controversial about her, though, is that um, she's actually very, very traditional and conservative. Oh, yeah, that's true. So remember that show we were talking about, the dating show where the parents pick the date? Like, she's the host of that show. Like, that's her show. Oh, yeah. So even though she underwent this gender reassignment surgery very publicly and got a lot of flack for that, Pretty early on, too. Like, 90s, even in the U.S., that was really early. Yeah. But I feel like because her perspective and content is still very conservative and digestible for people who are also conservative, Mm. maybe they're able to just, like, ignore a fact about her that they don't totally jive with. That's true. But I always thought she was really interesting because, like, she is kind of... A trans icon. Like the fact that she was able to overcome a lot of hate and a lot of judgment and like define herself as a person. We can argue about whether or not what she's doing just fuels patriarchy even more Mm. but like she still defined her own person and i feel like third way feminism means not defining what it means to be a feminist ice princess did that (laughs) (laughs) but no this woman i feel like her life is insane yeah like she was she was a jifangjun yeah (laughs) Uh, she was part of the people's liberation army like as a child and then became like a primo ballet dancer yeah this was pre-surgery so a male ballerino i was reading through wikipedia i was like who is she yeah she's also ethnically korean oh really oh i mean that makes sense kim is her last name is g yeah yeah Um, there's another show that sounded really interesting i didn't get a chance to watch it but when i was googling just like good reality shows in china (laughs) it kept coming up it's called pipashuo Ooh. And the English name, I guess, is you can you BB. Isn't BB a bad word in Chinese? Basically, um, BB means BSing. <gasps> so it's just like it's like a funny debate show where you basically just talk as much as you can. Oh my. <laughs> but the co- the topics that they talk about are. I feel like really interesting. If I had more time, I would definitely watch it because I feel like it's the type of show that would give you an insight into how people think mm. in Chinese culture. So they'll talk about things like social situations. So it's nothing like serious or political or anything like that. But it'd be like if you found $20 on the ground, is it ethical to pick it up? Mm. Or like when is it okay to do something more like when is it okay to lie like ethics more yeah so it's like an ethic ethics versus like political yeah that's more interesting in a lot of ways yeah and a lot of the people they have on are like comedians so it's just Uh, like kind of funny that sounds fun (laughs) yeah like i feel like i would totally enjoy the show if i had more time and better knowledge of the chinese Uh. language (laughs) one thing that i learned and researched 
binging these shows is that a lot of the Chinese TV networks have official YouTube channels where you can watch full episodes of their show. Oh, that's really interesting. Which is really interesting because you can't go on YouTube in China. Is this foreshadowing future of YouTube in China? Or they just do this specifically for their international audience mm. for people who can't watch these shows. That's true. They want to spread Chinese ideas but not the other way around. Ooh, one really funny one. This is kind of off topic and not talk based anymore, but it's like, I don't even know how to categorize it. Like, it was such a niche show that just kind of popped up. Category four can just be other, other. shows. <laughs> but yeah, it was, it's like such a niche show and it showed up for such a small amount of time in my life timeline that I don't even, part of me doesn't even think it existed, but it's called Tianxia uh, Shoutang or Collection World. So basically, these people would bring in their family heirlooms, essentially. So they're like vases and like jade and just really like prized possessions. It's really beautiful. Porcelain. Porcelain, yeah. Like, just like decorative things mostly, but a lot of them are like really valuable to them and their family. They bring it in and then they have yeah, another panel of experts. I'm sure these guys had credentials. Though. Yeah, for sure. But they would analyze it essentially. And then the audience also had a say in this. They get to vote on whether or not they think it's real or not or like from the time period that it, they claim that it's from. And then the host summons the um, the mallet. Of, I don't know, how do you translate it? The mallet of truth. Hubaltre. <laughs> it would like emerge with smoke. He'd put on a glove and then pick it up and it's like a golden mallet it's like thor's hammer essentially yeah but he would like be all dramatic and then he'd read the verdict and then or if it's real then congrats if it's fake he would smash it like smash the artifact it's like antique roadshow to the extreme i just can't imagine what it would feel like as a person who thinks that they have this valuable thing that you're just bringing in to get appraised and then this TV host of Beijing TV decides instead that he's going to smash your family heirloom. He does it in like such a, a sneaky way too when it's when it's to be smashed. It's not like this is fake. Pew. It's like he'll be reading it and then he'll turn around and be like, oh, by the way. And then he'll he'll just hit it. It's it's like giving a baby a shot. Yeah. The show is super controversial. Because there were so many people who were like, even though these things maybe didn't, they're not worth very much monetarily, they were like very valuable to people in terms of like sentimental value. Yeah. But at the same time, like the person brings that artifact onto the show. Like you signed up yeah, for this. Yeah, so <laughs> this show is just confusing to me. Like I have no critical analysis of this. It was just weird. <laughs> I think it should still exist. I think it's a great show. I would watch yeah, it. Yeah, it was fun to watch. <laughs> well, there's some other fun shows. Um, so, um, Eva and I are related. We're sisters. Uh, our cousin works for a TV network in China. and Cousin and wife. Yes. So their WeChat stories often talk about this show called Running Man. Oh, I don't read their WeChat stories. Basically the same as the Korean Running Man. But it's like a show that's geared toward young people where celebrities do a bunch of challenges at a very beautiful location. So it's like celebrities plus tourism ad plus like random games sounds like china in a nutshell and it's it's like a very silly but fun games yeah but this brings us to like one of our last points about what is plagiarism oh 
I feel like so many Chinese shows plagiarize slash copy slash find inspiration from other shows. Yeah, like, I feel like a lot of the shows we've talked about, we've found a pretty easy comparison in American TV. Yeah. I know a lot of Korean shows are inspiration slash source of copying for Chinese shows, and they got a lot of flack for that. But a lot of the shows, they have straight up, like, the same name as the yeah. other show so like running man is it plagiarism or have they just gotten some sort of license to use the same format but change a few things or they don't have the license and they just did it <laughs> part of me like almost doesn't care if shows are plagiarized or, like if it's a good show in another country like whatever yeah things can be global like chill like the voice is a great show no matter yeah like where it is why does it matter? Yeah. <laughs> I guess, like, the only thing that matters is, like, if you're the person who invented this concept, you yeah. should be compensated. Like, if the format is being used at another place. But, like, yeah, I'm not mad if a good show now exists in another culture. Yeah, so I know uh, even Fei Chong Wura, like, the dating show, had some sort of allegations against it, saying that they plagiarized, but... I feel like the format is so basic that, like, things can be invented more than once, too. Yeah. And, I mean, there is an American dating show called If You Are The One, but it's so different from Feijin Wurong. Yeah. It's just the title. And at that point, it's like, I don't what legal ramifications there are. Mm. But I guess for us as consumers, it's just like... Just give me the content. Let me watch They're it. Like, Good content. <laughs> that is all I want. Yes. That's the moral of this episode. Give us the content. Speaking of good content. Yes, let's. All right. So for our next segment for this week, we are going to talk about things that are weirdly popular in China. reason for me out of all the weird things that are popular in china this is the first thing that comes to mind and that is none other than avril lavigne we mentioned her briefly already when we talked about intro music yeah i had this discussion with some people a couple weeks ago about whether or not avril lavigne was iconic and in my head i was thinking hell yeah, yeah. she's iconic like what is karaoke night without avril lavigne like maybe not in america but mm, globally what year was it when like skater boy came out 2003 four yeah it wasn't just 2003 where avril was a thing in china i feel like for many summers after that when I would go back to visit the grandparents. I would like walk by a store and they would play Avril in the stores. Like, I feel like that's my gauge for what people in China like to listen to. Store music. Because, like, I don't listen to, like, Chinese radio or anything like that. But, yeah, stores always play Avril. Did they play Skater Boy or her other music? Uh, I don't remember but I remember it being Avril. In concept. Okay. I know girlfriend people liked. Oh, yeah. That one people still like today. Yeah. There was a Chinese version of it. Oh, yeah. Do you remember yeah, that? I watched a video of her making it, and it was so painful to watch. Hey, hey, you, you. I don't like you.
syllables. That was such a strange thing to have existed. Yeah. In my head, I almost felt like it was... I don't know if I'm looking, thinking about it more than I should be, but, like, you know how Avril had that whole, like, Harajuku thing going on? Uh. Like, I was almost a little offended because I was just like, does she think Asia is a monolith? <laughs> and just, like, by doing this, like, Harajuku theme or whatever, that, like, that is her gateway into all of Asia. <sighs> But at the same time, like, I guess it kind of works. Yeah. So I don't know. Uh, but yeah, what are your theories for why Avril is so popular in China? I honestly do not know. <laughs> I think she kind of became a meme in America. Like, even it, I mean, I was really young when Skater Boy came out when she was, like, I guess at the height of her career in America. But she's definitely become a meme because skater culture became a meme in America and the fact that she married the dude from Nickelback like I think people just didn't take her super seriously and then there was that whole theory about how there's a new Avril or something oh she died and that the new Avril is a fake Avril yeah like what is a good conspiracy theory though yeah I think just in America she's not taken super seriously was she taken seriously like as like a serious artist when she first came out with all her stuff well here's the thing and here's the thing that I'm always arguing for she was like her target demographic was young females and Mm. any artist whose demographic is young females is automatically not considered a serious artist and that irks me to no end because good music is good music if it's good for someone it's good music and I feel like it's so problematic that all these like boy bands and like teeny bopper artists are considered lesser just because they appeal to this young female audience. Yeah. Because if you think about it, that's what the Beatles were. And people love the Beatles and they respect them so much now. They're okay. Yeah. And I, I'm putting this on the record. One Direction is better than the Beatles. I was just going to say that. <laughs> I was just going to say Harry Styles is better than John Lennon. Said tweet. <laughs> yeah. Like, I am not going to take that back. I will stand by that statement. Like, the Beatles, they're all right. But One Direction is very good. Yeah, like, the Be- people say the Beatles are, like, iconic and stuff. And I recognize that. Like, they, I think they did kind of popularize rock music. Oh, for but sure. One Direction is popularizing boy band music. Yeah, and I think it's really strange how pop kind of became not popular music. Yeah. Like, it became, like, a cool thing to not like pop. Popular music is popular for a reason! <laughs> because it is good! Usually. Usually. That said, I think Avril kind of got the short end of the stick for being an artist that appealed to young women. Yeah, that makes sense. And I was that young woman (laughs) i was too young i remember i thought she was really pretty though oh same she was the one that made me want to become a skater in sixth grade she was why i wanted choppy layers in my hair (laughs) but yeah i wonder if people in china still like avril today i'm sure they do is avril still active i don't know if avril's still making music though so I, i don't know i do remember when i was in college there was this um, Chinese video game or a computer game, I guess. It was on like the QQ platform, like the Chinese chatting 
platform that people used to use before WeChat took over the world. It was a game that was basically like DDR. I remember you played that game so much. And it plays some music. Do you remember that game? I used to play it so much. I have no idea what it's called, but it would, um, you would just skateboard to music and it was like popular music and there were a lot of avril songs so that was the thing yeah that game was so fun i thought it was really hard though maybe it's because i was in sixth grade and hadn't developed my fine motor skills yet but (laughs) yeah that was a good game i remember playing to a lot of j chow songs were either really easy because they're slow oh yeah that was the only one i could play or really hard because it's very rhythmic rock all right well i think i'm tired after talking about television yeah Reality TV is like my bread and butter. So after talking about it, I just become hungry. So I need to go eat dinner. I'm going to go live in reality because we've been talking about it for so long. (laughs) (laughs) Well, congrats if you made it this far. Yes. And thank you from the bottom (laughs) of our hearts. Thank you. But like, actually, thank you for supporting us (laughs) through your viewership. Our Venmo account will be up soon. (laughs) So as of now, Eva and I are in separate cities and separate states. So we record our podcasts over Google Hangouts. So Google, please sponsor us and also support us and maybe we'll have better microphone and recording and editing equipment so our podcast won't sound like a potato also at google please give me more google drive space i'm running out true yeah we have so many audio files yeah if you have any chinese reality television shows that we didn't mention that you think are noteworthy send them over our way uh, yes please send links i want to watch all same. of them i will once i have time but i'll add it to my list so i will get to it but yeah i will watch it right away because i'm better <laughs> hey <laughs> but please send them our way but yeah you can find us at most major social media outlets networks whatever those are called at china cool pod that's spelled exactly how you think it would be spelled um you can even email things to us if you want to be professional gmail.com yes sir and yeah we'd love to hear what other things you got going on or if you have any avril lavigne anecdotes or ways that she's personally impacted your life we'd love to hear that too because we love avril we support avril yeah i don't believe in that conspiracy theory she's real to me actually i don't know how i feel about that conspiracy theory well that's all we have for this week join us in two weeks when we talk about something more yummy Ooh. okay bye bye